Well, how are we doing, Rich Church? And it's awesome to be here today. So glad that you guys are here. And if today is your first day here at the Ridge. We're glad that you are here also, even if you just came because you thought that maybe if you showed up to church today that your football team would have a little extra something, you know, a little today. Steve White, I see you over there, man. Listen, I want to tell you something. I'm with you. Go 49ers, okay? I'm there, all right? So you're in good company today. I want to let, I want to let you know. NFL is here. Thank God. Okay, all right, so... Um, let me, uh, let me start by doing this. Uh, tonight, Jonathan uh, mentioned to you guys that tonight we're going to be doing something that we've never done here at Ridge Church yet. Our church, we're not even five years old. We're just a little over four years old, and so we've not had the opportunity to do this yet, and so we're really excited about uh, tonight for many reasons. So we invite all of you to be back with us tonight just to hang out and you know, at least get some free coffee and hang out a little bit. But uh, we're going to be ordaining a few uh, men as elders uh, this uh, tonight. And so I just wanted to recognize those guys uh, to you if they're in the room. I know some of them uh, are. So John Monday, uh, back in the back, back here. Uh, you, you can just, you can come up front if you want to. You don't, you, oh, yeah, you stay up there in the back, all right. Back there, back there in the back. Uh, and uh, Jonathan Haskell, which you saw right over here. Jonathan is actually, he's right there. Yeah. Jonathan uh, has already actually been ordained. They, they kind of don't miss that detail when the, before they send them on the, uh, on the mission field. Jonathan and his family spent a couple of years in Hungary uh, doing missionary work, but we wanted to recognize him as an elder here at Ridge Church. So he's kind of already been through that process, but we're going uh, to do that today. And then also Jacob Farler, who's back here in the back. You'll see Jacob uh, a little later today. So Jacob back there. And then Chris Bricky, who is our youth pastor, he's back here in the back also back there in the back. Chris, uh, we're going to license Chris as a pastor today. It's sort of the first step uh, toward uh, eldership. And so here at Ridge Church, we believe that in a plurality of leadership, like I'm not the guy, you know, like I just, I happened to get here first, so they called me the lead pastor. And that's, that's really about, about it. And so we believe in a plurality of leadership according to the scripture, meaning that I don't make all of the decisions here. Like it's not, it's not a Bobby run church. That's not the way that it works. And so uh, we make all of these decisions and things through these guys, and then we have other men who are coming up through the pipeline in the, in the next six months or so that are also going to be taking that step uh, through our leadership uh, programs that we have here, and so we're really excited about that, and so we just invite you back for tonight as we do a little more uh, formal uh, ordination and, and commissioning uh, for these guys. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you ever read the fine print of a contract? Be honest, be honest. Okay, a few of you, all right, a few of you. I appreciate the honesty from everybody else because I'm with you. Like, if you didn't raise your hand, that's me. Like, I don't ever really read the fine print of a contract, and uh, that probably will get me in trouble at some point in time. But, like, I I don't ever really, like, read at it. In fact, what I do is when I get a contract, I just kind of look at it with a blank stare on my face, so it looks like that I'm intently focused on reading the contract. And that way, if the person who gave me the contract gets a little nervous, then I'll know something's up, you know? And so I can just be like, hey, man, I saw this in here. Come on, explain that. Like, you know, and, and, and so I don't, I don't ever really read the fine print of, of, of a contract. And um, sometimes I think, you know, obviously, if we don't read the fine print, if we don't get the fine print, we kind of miss something, don't we? Like, we're going to miss something that we probably should have known before we jumped in with both feet. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about sort of the fine print of being a follower of Christ. 
And, and maybe, you, maybe you knew this, maybe you've been walking with Christ for a long time, and you, you kind of already know this. Maybe you're sort of just beginning your journey to follow Jesus. Maybe you're sort of kicking the tires, and you're not really sure if you, know, you want to get into this whole thing. Like, you're not really sure Jesus is who he said he is, and you're not really sure if he's going to do everything that he promised he would do. Like, you're kind of on the outside, and that's okay, that's cool, you know. And so you're just trying to figure this whole thing out. But, but maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But when it comes to being a, a follower of Christ... There is fine print involved, fine print that, that maybe we forgot about or maybe that, that we missed. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 8. And I want you to know that if you need a Bible, we have uh, free Bibles here for you. Uh, they're on the table that you passed on the way in here called Ridge Central. And everything out there is absolutely free. So if you see a book out there that you want or a Bible, you want to grab one of those, please, by all means, take that. We want you to have that. It'll also be on the screen back here behind me. But in Mark chapter 8, Jesus, he's about halfway through his three-year ministry of preaching, teaching, and uh, on his way to the cross for crucifixion and his resurrection later on. But uh, we're about kind of at the halfway point, close to that at this point in time in Mark chapter 8. And Jesus sort of takes a step back for a moment and realizes that these huge crowds who had been following him for all of this time, including his disciples, his, the 12 men that he called his disciples, he realizes that many of them have sort of been what we would call today consumer Christians. Basically, just following for their own wants. Just following to get what they want out of it and not really following for what God wants from them or for them necessarily. And we talked about this last week that, that God really truly wants more for you than he actually wants from you. And we're going to see that today in, in, in today's scripture as well. But, but Jesus realizes that this crowd, this huge crowd of people, a lot of them had just been following because of the miracles that he had been performing. A lot of them had been following because of, you know, Jesus did that really cool thing with the, the fish and the, and the chips, right? The, the feeding of the, uh, the 5,000 when he took some bread and he took some fish and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it, right? And everybody got to eat and then there was a bunch of leftovers, you know, everybody took take-home boxes. It was awesome, right? And so, like, that whole thing, like, everybody was following because of these things. But Jesus comes to a point when he says, he says this in Mark chapter 8 where he says, listen, You've kind of came a, a long ways with me, but to go further, it might cost you something. It might cost you something. And it's sort of the fine print of what it means to be a follower of Christ. You see, because salvation for all of us, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior and you, you've asked for repentance of, or you've, you've repented of sin, like that whole thing, salvation is free for all of us. It's freely given. Like, there's nothing that, that you or I could do to earn our salvation. Nothing at all. In fact, it cost Jesus everything, but it cost us nothing to receive salvation. However, salvation may be free, but following will eventually cost us something. Salvation costs nothing. Following costs something. Check this out, Mark chapter 8. We're going to pick it up in verse 27. Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, and I love how this, this conversation plays out. Jesus, he's walking with his disciples, uh, went on with his disciples to villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, he asked his disciples, who 
do people say that I am? That's kind of a scary question, right? How many of you would honestly ask your friends, hey, who do people say I am? You know, you'd probably be a little afraid of what they might say, right? Well, this is what Jesus does. He, he, he's walking with his disciples. He says, hey, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, which kind of funny because John the Baptist had been beheaded, and so they're like, you're kind of John the Baptist reincarnate. And others say that you're Elijah, who was a, a dead prophet back from the Old Testament, and others, one of the prophets. And so they start kind of going through the gamut, and they're like, well, some people say that you're this, and some people say that you're that, and some people say that you're this guy. And Jesus is like, okay, yeah, okay, I, I, know, what, I know what they say. Like, I, I get that. I, I know what those people say. I know, I know what they say that I am. But I, I want to know, who do you say that I am? And that's, that's what he says next. He says, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, one of his disciples, answered him. And he says, he says you, you are the Christ. Now that, that word Christ, maybe some of you know this, maybe some of you don't, but Christ is, it's not... It's not actually Jesus' last name, okay? So, like, that's just, like, Christ is actually, and H is not his middle name. So, like, Christ, Christ is, Christ is, it's a term, it was a, it was a Greek term, all right? Christ was a Greek term that meant the anointed one who is to come. That's what Christ meant. And so, Peter's, that's what Peter says. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one who is to come. And so what, basically what Peter's saying, he's saying, you're the one we've been waiting for. Like for hundreds of years, the Jewish people, they were promised a Messiah. They were promised a Savior, a Christ, a Messiah, the anointed one who is to come. And now he's here, and Peter gets it absolutely right. He says, you are the one we've been waiting for. You're the Christ. And Jesus, Jesus, you're absolutely right, Peter. You're absolutely right. But, he says, he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And so he says, shh, okay, <laughs> I, I am the Christ, but it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Don't, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And it's really funny, like every time Jesus, like sometimes Jesus will do these things, like you'll read this in the Gospels where Jesus will heal somebody, right? And he'll heal a man and they'll be all excited about it and then he'll say, now don't go tell nobody. And what do they do? <laughs> they tell everybody, right? <laughs> so, hide your wife, hide your kids. They tell everybody. Like, so like, I mean, they, they, they get in, they, he, he tells them, he says, don't tell anybody. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. And the reason why he says it's not time yet is because Jesus needs to explain something to him first. And that's what he does in the next part, verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And so, walking along with his disciples, Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the one that we've been waiting for, and Jesus says, okay, listen up, everybody, I want to tell you a little something. I'm going to be killed soon. The priest and the, the scribes, the religious leaders, the religious people are going to be killing me, and they've been doing it ever since, right? And so, like, Jesus, it's what he tells them. 
says, I'm going to die. But I love the fact that he also says, but after three days, I'm going to rise again. And like Peter misses that whole thing. You know, like that would have been like kind of a big deal, you know, but Peter misses that whole part. And Peter pulls Jesus aside. He's like, whoa, 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 wait wait a minute. Come here a minute. Can, Can we go back? And like talk about prayer or like can you do that whole walking on water thing? Because that was pretty cool. Maybe we can feed, you know, feed more five thousand people again. Like, let's go do let's not talk about you dying. Why are you telling us that you're gonna die? Because you just told us that you're the Messiah. You just told us that you're the one that we've been waiting for. Like, that's what you just said. And now you're telling us we've been waiting for you and you're going to be killed. What up with that? So Peter rebukes Jesus, meaning that, that Peter gets mad at Jesus. He kind of argues and kind of gets on to Jesus. And then Jesus rebukes Peter. He kind of gets mad at Peter. It's kind of like a shouting match, right? Peter, listen to what Jesus says back to him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. That's pretty rough. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And so it's at this point that Jesus understands and realizes, not that he didn't already know this, but it's time for him to address it. That not only Peter, but all of these other people that had been following Jesus were only following for themselves. They were what we would call today consumer Christians. Consumer believers, only getting, only, only in it to get out of it what was good for them, not what was good for God. And so what Jesus does next is very, very important because what Jesus says to them next is extremely important for us as believers. And it's sort of the fine print of us being followers of Christ. Because Jesus says this next. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, meaning if anyone wants to continue to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so Jesus, with his disciples, he sort of turns to the crowd and he kind of gets down and he's like, Hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. I want to tell you something. Everybody come here and get in real close. I want you to lean in. I want you to hear what it is that I'm about to say. I want, I, want you to, I want you to make sure that you get this because from this point forward, this is extremely important. And so I want everybody to lean in for a second. From this point forward, if anyone wants to follow me, he's going to have to pick up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. Now, this would have been extremely scary for these guys. Because for us, like when we think of the cross, we don't think of the cross in the same way that they thought of the cross. Like when we think of the cross, we think about it on a steeple, we think about it on a t-shirt, we think about it on a necklace. We don't really think about the cross the same way that they thought about the cross. Like to them, the thought of the cross was gory. The thought of the cross was scary. There was a stench that came along with the thought of the cross. Most of us don't have a stench in our minds when we think about the cross. But these guys would have because there were many days that these men would have walked by other men hanging on crosses. Like they had seen a crucifixion. 
They had seen a cross. They had seen people hanging on crosses. And listen, the, Roman, the Romans, when they crucified people, they didn't just crucify people and just, you know, put them up there until they died and then took them down and, you know, that whole thing. No, 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 no. They left them up there pretty much until they rotted off the cross. And so it would have stink, stunk, stank. For real. It would have been bad. And so when Jesus says, you must pick up your cross, that would have meant something to these guys. That would have meant something to the crowd because they would have been like, oh, <laughs> okay, like, oh, man, like, I don't know, man. I, 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 don't, I don't know, Jesus. And see this, most likely when Jesus said this, a lot of people would have gotten up and walked away. They would have been out. Because over and over and over again in the Gospels, we see where Jesus would say things, and he would say things, and the things that he would say would be what we call space makers, right? It would clear out a crowd quickly. And this would have been one of those times when Jesus said that. Like, you remember that whole vampire sermon where Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. You remember that whole thing? You remember when he said that? The Bible says that, that a lot of people, when they heard Jesus say that, a lot of people just got up and they walked away. They're like, I'm out, man. I ain't doing that. I'm done. And so when Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross. When he said that to them, there would have been people who said, okay, I'm done. I'm out. I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm not, I'm not picking up a cross. I'm not doing that whole thing. I know what that cross is about. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm out. And here, here's the thing. Truth be told, that there are some of you in the room here today, that's, that's been you. Honestly, it's been you. Because when you figured out that in the fine print, in order to continue to follow Jesus, you realized that it would cost you something. Like, it wasn't just about you anymore. It wasn't just about what you could get out of it anymore. Like, to continue to follow would be a moment for you where you said, okay, I'm, I, I don't know, I'm out. Because I, that whole denying myself thing, I don't know if I can do that. We all know what it means to deny ourselves, don't we? Like, to, to push back from ourselves and say, no, no. To say, basically, to deny ourselves is to say no to ourselves, Right? We do this all the time. We do it at, at, at dinner, don't we? Go out to eat, you know, sitting down, eat a nice meal, right? Get nice and full. Guy comes by and is like, hey, you want some cheesecake? Mm, no, I'm done, man. I'm out. Like we push back from the table, you know, we deny ourselves. We, we know what it means to deny ourselves. But what does it mean to deny ourselves when it comes to being a follower of Christ? Simply, it means, for us, it means that there is a part of our life that we would have to push back from in order to continue to follow. There's a part of our life that we have to say no to. There is something that we have to say no to. There is a thing that we have to say no to. There is a he that we have to say no to. There is a she that we have to say no to. There is a job that we might have to say no to. There is something that we have to push back from and say no to in order to continue to follow. And here's the good news for everybody in the room. Nobody in here is getting crucified. That's good news, right? Like, we're, we should be happy about that. That's good. That's not going to... None of us in this room will be crucified, thankfully. But 
in order to follow, at a certain point, there has to be a certain point for each one of us, in order to continue to follow, we have to be able to deny ourselves and pick up our cross to continue to follow. And so salvation costs nothing, but to follow will cost us something. Jesus sort of unpacks this a little more to make it a little more clear. He says this in verse 35. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Kind of common ground for everybody. And so he says, whoever wants to save their life. And everybody's like, well, all right, I'm back in. I'm here. I'm good. I'm done. I'm, I'm back. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Oh, uh-oh. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's We'll save it. Now, if we don't really think about that, that can kind of be a little confusing. And so what Jesus says here, he says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever will, for my sake, lose his life will be saved. And so what's he saying there? He's he's saying this. He's saying, okay, listen, here's the deal. Like, I want all of us to understand this. You know, this is, this is not me trying to be, like, you know, just uh, sad and, you know, all that stuff. But here, the bottom line is, like, on this earth, none of us are getting off of this rock alive. It's not going to happen. It's just, I mean, it's a reality of life. And so, you, you might have things that you really love. You, you, you have a life that you, that you really love. You, you're doing things that, you, even though they might be wrong, you really like doing them. And so... They might be wrong, but they might be fun at the same time. Like, I mean, sin is fun. I get that. I understand that. Like, there are things that you have. And that is life to you. That's life to you. She is life to you. He is life to you. That job is life to you. That house is life to you. This is life to you. These things things are, are life to us. He says, so... So anyone who wants to give those things up for my sake, to walk away from those things, to continue to follow me, will save his life. Salvation costs nothing, but to follow will cost something. And as if that wasn't plain enough, he says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. He said, what good is it to you if, if you have everything, if you've got everything that you want, that your life is great, that, that you're really loving it? And, and, he's, and he's saying this, he's like, you, you've got everything that you want. You've got the best camel on the block. It's awesome. It's quick. It's fast. It doesn't spit. Like you, that's, you, you got what you want. Right? You got everything. You got friends. You've got wealth. You've got influence. You've got a great house. You've got a great like you've got all these things. But but what what good are these things if you give up your soul for it? What, 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 good, what good is having all of that if 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 you're giving up your soul for it? And so the next thing that he says is he says, basically says, so, so let me ask you a question. What would you trade for your soul? What would you trade for your soul? 
What would you give up? Would you give up these things? Would you, would you trade these things? He says, for what can a man give in return for his soul? And you see, understand that all of these people sitting around listening to Jesus at this moment, they would have been like, I think I'd pretty much give up everything. Now, and, and, you know, if you're here today and you don't really believe in the whole, you know, you've got a soul thing and your soul lives, you know, for eternity. Like, if you don't believe that, then, hey, you know, this, this isn't going to make sense. You know, you're good. You're off the hook. But the people sitting around Jesus at this moment, they would have gotten this. They would have understood this. Like, they, they understood what this meant when Jesus said, would you trade all of these things? Would you trade all? Trade all of that stuff, the stuff, the stuff that you call life. Would you trade that for your soul? And so all of those people that were walking away would have been like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, all right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because my soul is important. Like, I, I understand that, that my soul is my soul is worth more than this. My soul is worth more than that. And so, yeah, I would, tra- I would trade that for my soul. They got that. They, they, they understood that. And so it, it, made, it made complete sense to them. And so Jesus... He says this here at the end, verse 38. He says, for, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. And so he says, he says listen. If you choose to, to trade life, whatever life is to you, Whatever, whatever that looks like, if you, if you choose to trade that for your soul, there will come a time when you and I stand before one another. And because you were ashamed of me, then I will have to be ashamed of you. And, and, and here's what I find interesting about that statement, is that when Jesus said this, Peter, right, the guy we just talked about a few minutes ago, Peter would have been front and center. Like he would have been sitting front row, listening, leaning in. And when Jesus said that, Peter would have been like, yes! Never going to be ashamed of you, Jesus. Always going to stand up for you. I am with you. And then it wouldn't be too long later, right? A middle school girl walks up to Peter, right? And is like, hey, I saw you with that Jesus guy. Like you, guys were, you guys were buds. You hung out together. Like you, you, you were with Jesus. This is when Jesus had been arrested and he's about to be crucified, right? And Peter said, what does Peter do? Uh-uh. Wasn't me. Who's that other dude? Is that Judas guy? Who you saw? It wasn't me. Peter's like, no, 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 you didn't see me. She's like, yeah, 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 no, I saw you. And then somebody's else, somebody else is like, but I, I, I saw you too. I, saw, I would recognize those Air Jesus sandals anywhere, dude. Like, I saw you, man. You, you were there. Peter's like, no, 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 it wasn't me. And then a, finally, a third time, somebody's like, I saw you. And Peter's like, no, 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 not me. So was Peter obviously ashamed of Jesus? Yeah. And so when Jesus is crucified, and then three days later, he's resurrected, 
Peter and Jesus sort of have a, a meeting together, right? Peter and Jesus run into to one another. And Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, you and me, by the flagpole, let's go. Go, Tom. No, he, he doesn't do that. But what he does, he says, he says, Peter, don't do that again, man. Don't do that. I forgive you. And then Jesus puts Peter in charge of the whole thing, like the church, right? He, he puts Peter in charge. He, he, he forgives him at that point. Which I find that amazing because you know what? We've been there, hadn't we? We've been in those places where we said, you know what? I'm going to choose that instead of following him because that looks a whole lot more fun than that. I'm going to take this because this over here, I like this. This is good for me. Like I'm enjoying this. I don't know if I'm going to really enjoy that a whole lot. So I'm going with this. Even though, even though some of you have Given your life to Christ, you would call yourself a Christian. Listen, you know why I know this? Because I've chosen that. I've chosen that. Probably more times than I would care to admit, I've chosen that. And so what I know about every single one of us, if you're a believer, you've chosen that before too. But there are others of you that you're here and that's where you like to be. And listen, I get that. I understand that because, and this is why I understand that and know that, because... Like, as, as pastors sometimes and as churches, like, you know, we talk about things and we say, oh, man, this series, this God of the Underdog series, it's going to change your life. And we get excited about that and we start, you know, getting really pumped up about that. And you're going, then I ain't coming because I like my life. I don't want my life to be changed. It's good the way that it is. And so I get that. Listen, I totally I totally get that. Life change doesn't sound so fun to you sometimes. I, I understand that. But there is something that, that Jesus understands that maybe we forget. It's the fine print. Because Jesus understands that following him and denying ourselves, picking up a cross, following him is a much better choice than not denying ourselves. Jesus said, I have come to give you life, and to give you life more abundantly. You and I may not know what that means right now, but Jesus fully understands what that means. Otherwise, he never would have said it. And so there has to come a point where we say, you know what, I may not get it, I may not understand it, I don't know what happens next, but I'm taking one step and denying myself, and I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to say no to me. I'm going to say yes to him. I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to follow. I'm going to take one step, one step at a time. Understand that at this point, like Peter goes on to die for what he said that he saw. Do you understand that? Like Peter Peter and, and these other disciples, they didn't give their lives up. They didn't die because of a myth. They didn't die because of a lie. They didn't die because somebody said that they saw Jesus. They died because they, with their own eyes, saw a resurrected Savior. People don't die for lies. People don't die for myths. They, they will die, however, for what they saw. 
And so it became abundantly clear for Peter at that moment. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. Salvation costs nothing. You and I, we can't do anything to earn salvation. It's already been given to us freely. Jesus, his death on the cross, there's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. You can't do anything to earn it. Jesus has already given it to us. It's a free gift. All we have to do is accept it. It cost us everything, it, but, or it cost him everything. It cost us nothing, but yet to follow will eventually cost us something. There will be a defining moment for, for some of you. And you'll know what that moment is. Some of you are in that moment right now. Like you're in a place, you're in a moment of wrestle right now where you're trying to choose. Do I follow Jesus or do I, do I, do I keep this? Do I follow this? Do I stay here? Because this is good, this works, this, this is comfortable. I kind of like this. That's going to cost me something. Do I follow and let it and have to pay the price or do I stay where I'm comfortable? Some of you are in that moment right now. You're there right now. You're wrestling with that right now. And so you have a choice to make. And so you're trying to figure out in your mind, how much is it going to cost? What am I going to have to give up? What do I have to deny myself of? Is it worth it? And listen, I, I can only stand up here and tell you as someone who's made both choices before, that it's absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Listen, the good news is none of you are going to be crucified. Probably, most likely, nobody in this room will ever have to, ever have to die for what they believe in their faith. However, when you deny yourself, sometimes it'll kind of feel like a death because of what you're walking away from. Because you liked it. You loved it. You wanted it. It was good. It was good for you. But it wasn't good for your relationship with Christ. And so it'll sort of feel like a part of you has died. That's what it means to pick up a cross. To deny ourselves. And follow. I know that that moment, because I've, I've been there. I've won some, I've lost some, and you will too. Moments with friends, relationships. Do I, do I stay? Do I go? You know, do I hang out with them? Do I take this job? Do I not take that job? Is it yes or is it no? You know, those, those moments, you might be in those moments, or maybe you might not be in that moment right now, but that moment's coming. It's coming. But you're you're going to be there eventually. If you're a, you're a follower of Christ, it, it's It's coming. Salvation costs us nothing, but following will cost us something. And so following Jesus, I want you to understand that following Jesus starts with one simple step. One simple step. Some of you are taking steps, but, but the next step may be deciding to follow when you know it's going to cost something. Like some of you have, you've given your life to Christ, you've been, you've been kind of watching, walking from a distance, but you know and understand that the next step that you have to make is going to cost you something. And so what do you do? Do you deny yourself and follow or do you walk away? 
Because some of you have done that. We've all done that. We've walked away from the church. We've walked away from other Christians. We've walked away from the whole, th- whole thing and just said, I'm, I'm not so sure I want to pay that. Not so sure. And listen, some of you haven't followed because you knew what it would cost you. You knew what it was going to cost you. So, today, today is a new day. Today is a new day, like Peter was with Jesus. Today is a new day. Today is a moment that you can deny yourself. Today is a moment where you can decide to follow, to take one simple step. Understand, like Peter just didn't deny Jesus when people said, hey, don't you know Jesus? Understand this, that when Jesus was crucified and he was put into the tomb, Peter was one of the men who said, you know what? I'm out. I'm going fishing. Peter was a fisherman when Jesus came to him and said, Peter, follow me. And Peter followed, left his fishing nets and he followed him. And Peter decided that he was going to go back doing what he was doing before. Some of you are in that crossroads right now where you're thinking, if I continue to follow Jesus and walk away from this, it's going to cost me something. And some of you are in a place where you're like, I don't want to go this way, but oh man, this over here is so good. Like, I really like this over here. I like this part of my life. I'm not so sure I want to walk away from this part of my life. Peter chose to walk away. He decided not to go fishing. And some of you are in that place today. And so I want to just encourage you and urge you to take one simple step toward following Christ today. Let's stand to our feet.